Immigration is a critical part of the American story. Most of us who aren't immigrants ourselves have ancestors that were born someplace else. But if you're like me, there may be many generations between you and your immigrant ancestors. Since the goal of this podcast is to humanize the American immigrant experience, we thought it would be helpful to look into historic immigration stories to allow those of us who may be separated from our immigration history to reconnect. Now, just as a teaser, I am currently working on the story of the first Wilkes to set foot in North America. His name was Thomas, and he came from England to Virginia because of the English Civil War. Now, that's a story we're going to tell in the next few weeks, but while we get that ready, we're going to talk about the people that came from just the next island over. I'm talking about the Irish. The Irish played a critical role in U.S. history, and today we have Father Joseph Ryan, an assistant professor at Villanova University who is an expert in Irish-American history. So he is the perfect guest for today. This is Everyday Immigration. I'm David Wilkes. Welcome back to Everyday Immigration. I'm very excited today because we have a special episode. This will be the first in a series of historical analyses of immigration. Uh, with me is Father Joseph Ryan, OSA, and is, who is an assistant professor at Villanova University. He got his PhD in the history of medicine and migration at American University in 1997. He has served at Villanova for 21 years, and he teaches a course in Irish American history. So he's going to help us today to talk a little bit about the history of Irish migration. Uh, why don't you say hello, Father Joe? Good afternoon. Good to hear from you. And, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, I think it's really important uh, to, to really connect to the immigrant ancestry that, that we all have. Um, and, and I guess I'll start with the question that I start with with everybody is, is in, in what ways has immigration or maybe migration more generally impacted your life and, and what you do? My family came over in 1852. They were famine immigrants and they came to New York. So our whole family life until about 30 years ago was centered out in New York City. And I took one of the uh, genetic tests and discovered that I was 96.5% Irish. So ethnicity has really affected my family. Uh, with regard to the church, the church is kind of like a family business, an Irish family. So that's the case in my family. So uh, no, that's that's an interesting thing. We were talking about how you actually do help out in, in a Catholic parish. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, every year or every every weekend, I go to the parish. On Saturdays, I hear confessions and celebrate the 430 Mass. And on Sundays when I'm scheduled, I celebrate the um, 739 or 1130 Masses, you know. And it's a really important part of my life. I also uh, preside at liturgy here on campus on alternating Tuesday, Friday nights, and I help out with campus ministry. So earlier you called the Catholic Church the family business. Would you say it's all connected as part of your heritage? Yep. Well, I'm very proud of my Irish heritage and the heritage of the Augustinians here at the Villanova University. We were founded in the United States, or Irish friars came to the United States in 1796. And Villanova was established by Irish friars in 1842. So Villanova really has a significant Irish Catholic heritage. 
That's really interesting. You know, and that gets a little bit to sort of what, what we're trying to do with this project is, is really, you know, reach out and figure out how, uh, you know, immigration really does impact people's everyday lives, right? And so, you know, you're mentioning the, the connection between, you know, this, this Irish immigration and Villanova, Villanova, which has taught thousands of students over the the, the decades, uh, you know, that that's sort of a direct connection to how, you know, one group of people really can greatly impact, uh, you know, the, the country generally. Yeah. Uh, you know, in our history, the Augustinians, we really targeted Irish populations. We went to places like Lawrence, Massachusetts, New York City, um, and uh, Boston, where there were lots and lots of Irish immigrants. And that's really who we ministered to in our first hundred years here in the United States. Oh, wow. Well, well, so why don't we talk a little bit about that? So, so you mentioned that your, your family came over as part of the famine. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Some of the factors that, that led to the famine and, and may have caused that migration to the United States? Well, I think what was happening uh, in Ireland in the 1830s and 1840s is that, you know, uh, Ireland was a British colony. And most of the population uh, was really poor, suffered from poverty. And most of the peasants, or the cadiers, as they call them, subsisted on potatoes. And in 1847, um, a fungus, Phylophthora infestans, uh, that came from the United States, uh, killed the potato crop. And there was a resulting famine in which over a million people died and 1.5 million people migrated to the United States and Canada. So it's a very significant historic event, the Irish famine, uh, because of the devastation uh, that it caused in Ireland. But uh, the Irish people came to the United States largely uh, during the famine. But there's an earlier migration. The Scots-Irish came to the United States uh, in five waves from uh, 1717 to 1776. And they people, they came over and they came to the Port of Philadelphia. Uh, they were Presbyterians. Uh, they headed west to Lancaster and then down the Shenandoah Valley into uh, South and North Carolina and Georgia. So they really peopled uh, the uh, background of the United States, whereas a lot of settlement was on the tidewater. Uh, the Scotch-Irish really settled the interior of the United States. Oh, wow. Was there a difference in treatment and how those two different groups uh, were received when they came to the United States? Um, I think that the Scots-Irish were more, more successful. They were Presbyterians. So they uh, reflected uh, the background of a Protestant America. When they came here, they encountered the Quakers, and the Quakers were religiously tolerant in Pennsylvania. So they didn't have the problems that Irish Catholics had. Um, the Irish Catholics, who started coming after 1815, the end of the Napoleonic Wars, had a lot of problems. People were very suspicious of popery and superstition. And there were even riots here in Philadelphia uh, called the Bible Riots in 1844, in in which the Augustinians' first foundation, St. Augustine's Church, uh, which was featured in the movie The Sixth Sense, uh, was burnt to the ground, as were two other churches. And it was reconstructed with the generous donations of a lot of Protestants in the fifth city of Philadelphia, uh, who were really sad about this whole event of the 
nativist riots of 1844. So it was rooted in, in nativism, this, this riot that, that resulted? Absolutely. Um, what you had in that time period was a lot of um, small uh, skilled artisans whose jobs were being broken down into discrete tasks and rendered uh, for unskilled labor. And those laborers felt very threatened by that. And they were afraid that cheap Irish labor would take away their jobs. And that's where the nativist critique comes into play. That's really interesting. Um, I, I am interested, though, it, you know, you don't always hear when you when we hear about the past and, and maybe it's just the nature of our own um you know, our, our, our own, you know, trying to be a, a, a progressing society. Uh, you know, the, this idea that the Protestants rallied together to reconstruct the church, um, that, that's, that's quite beautiful, actually, that, you know, throughout, you know, we, we do see reoccurring patterns, right? We see the reoccurring patterns of, of nativism causing people to be fearful of outsiders, but then we're also seeing reoccurring patterns of people trying to reach out to those that have been marginalized. Yep, uh, that's absolutely true. Um, the Irish, um, were kind of viewed as outsiders, I would say around until 1960 when JFK, uh, became president of the United States. That's really the time when the Irish were really assimilated into the wider society. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a long time. I mean, if they'd been around since the 1770s. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting. So with, what do you think it was about, uh, President Kennedy that, that caused that shift? Um, I think that um, something that was very significant that happened was that there was a um, a group of ministers who met, I believe, in Texas, I think in Dallas, uh, to talk about the issue of a Catholic becoming president of the United States and how they felt threatened by that. And John F. Kennedy, with the help of a Jesuit theologian, John Courtney Murray, um, really gave a speech that laid out that, you know, John F. Kennedy was a devout Catholic, but he wouldn't let his Catholicism uh, run his politics. In other words, he wasn't going to take orders from the local bishop or the Bishop of Rome uh, to uh, in dealings with the government. He didn't believe in state aid to parochial schools, and he didn't believe in having a Vatican ambassador to the United States, which we have today. So he sort of paved the way uh, for a, a broader acceptance of, of Irish people in general. Absolutely. We'll be right back with more from Father Joe Ryan. If you have immigration needs, you don't want to just listen to a podcast and figure out how all this general knowledge helps you. Instead, you want to sit down with an immigration lawyer to go through your documents and figure out what is the best strategy to get through this convoluted immigration system. If you're interested in an immigration consultation, you're in luck because the attorneys at Miller Mayor are willing to give you a 10% discount just for listening to this podcast. All you have to do is email podcast at millermayor.com. That's podcast at M-I-L-L-E-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-R-M-A-
Um, there's a devotional revival. Uh, religion was kind of low-key in Ireland, but a bishop named Paul Cullen uh, really raised the profile of the church in the United States and in Ireland. And what you have is an increase in the numbers of priests and nuns. So in the immigrant community in the 1870s and the 1880s, uh, local churches were the background of the Catholic community. And the Catholic Church established its own institutions, colleges and universities and orphanages and the CYO for Catholic kids to have fun, um, all kinds of things like that. And up until around, I would say, 1950, uh, the Catholic parish was the bulwark of the Irish Catholic community. I think it stems back in Ireland. Uh, being an Irish Catholic was reflected a form of nationalism, uh, that we have something that we have that nobody can take away with us. We'll always be Catholic. And I think that carried over into the United States and people really identified um, with the Catholic faith and the Catholic church. And it shaped politics. Um, you know, uh, Tammany Hall in New York City after 1860 was almost an Irish institution. Uh, you had Alfred Emanuel Smith, who ran for president in 1928. He was a member of Tammany Hall. And the Irish were very much involved in politics uh, in the police and fire department in places like New York City, uh, politics in Chicago and politics in Boston. And you mentioned Tammany Hall. I, you know, uh, New York City in and of itself, uh, you know, tends to be sort of a cultural ambassador. And what ends up happening there does end up you know, even though us, me in upstate New York, we, we tend not to want to admit the influence of, of New York City. What does happen there does tend to impact the rest of the country, given just how many companies and media companies and the rest are located there. Uh, so indirectly, that, that really gave, you know, the Irish community quite a bit of influence. Absolutely. So are there ways that you're still connected to the immigrant community? Teaching my students uh, at Villanova in my Irish American history course there's a wave of new immigrants that have come from Ireland. And some of these students are first-generation Irish immigrants. What's their experience like? How, how do you think their experience contrasts with, say, somebody that would have come 100 years ago? I think they're wired into higher education. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities for these young people who are coming. Uh, in the past, it took quite a long time for... Irish Catholics to uh, go to universities and study. Uh, that begins in the 1890s and accelerates um, after World War II. They have more economic opportunities, but the students I see um, are highly qualified as students and they're proud of their Catholic background. They have a Irish society here. We have a center for Irish studies at Villanova. Uh, the kids have their own uh, Irish step dance team that they compete with other schools. So there's a really a strong Irish cultural heritage here at Villanova. Oh, that's fantastic. What would you say is the biggest takeaway uh, that, you, that you've noticed or that you've studied or that you've learned from the Irish American experience? What can we learn today from the experience of those who went through the migration patterns and eventually settled and finally uh, really became part of the American experience? Primarily an openness to new immigrants um, that come into the country. 
an acceptance of them and a welcoming of them. The Irish weren't initially welcomed. And something that's very important in Catholic teaching is uh, social teaching is welcoming the stranger. So a lot of Irish people who have a leadership role uh, can provide uh, solace to people who are coming new into the country who are new immigrants. We always have to remember uh, that except for Native Americans, uh, we're all immigrants and that we need to be open to new generations of immigrants that come into the United States. So we've been speaking with Joseph Ryan. He is Father Joseph Ryan, that is. He's an assistant professor at Villanova University. Uh, And uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Everyday Immigration Podcast is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment. It's hosted by me, David Wilkes. Special thanks to Miller Mayer for letting us record in its offices and making its staff available to us. As I am an attorney, portions of this production contain attorney advertising and prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. In addition, this podcast is not intended to be legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship between its hosts, its guests, or its listeners. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use and give us a review. You can also connect through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or on the web at frostedlens.com. We'll be back with another episode soon, and we'll see you then.